I'm John Farmer, and you're listening to Georgian Bay Roots. At Summerfolk last year, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Stephen Fearing for a conversation about folk festivals, songwriting, and the complexity of chasing your creativity across multiple musical genres. With 10 solo albums and many more dozens of collaborations, as well as a Juno Award under his belt, he had lots to share about every one of those topics. Before you hear part of that conversation, here's the song that finished his main stage set and brought folks to their feet at Summerfolk. This one's called Every Soul's a Sailor. Every soul's a sailor rolling on the deep The tinker and the tailor, the beggar and the thief The winners and the failures, the shepherd and the sheep Every soul's a sailor rolling star of fate shines for our mortality every soul's a sailor rolling on the sea look before you leave every soul's a sailor Rolling on the deep I drove into the mountains I left the world behind I sing around the mission With a half a case of wine And I stared up at the night sky Pure infinity Every soul's a sailor Rolling on the sea Read the cards and weep Every soul's a sailor
Every soul's a sailor rolling on the deep. Every soul's a sailor rolling on the deep. Stephen, welcome back to Summerfolk. How has the weekend been for you so far? Wonderful. Really great. I haven't been here in 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. And uh, so it's nice to see how the festival's grown and how it stayed the same. Crafts are always really good here. Food's really good here. Sound is superb, which is a real two thumbs up to the crew and Keelahan and everybody involved because outdoor festivals are often a real challenge. You know, the spirit is there, but the reality is that it's, it's kind of sometimes a real nightmare on stage. Like there's no sound check and you can't be a diva about it, but it can suck like with a major S. So this isn't that way at all. I haven't had one bad experience and that's a real two thumbs up, so. And you've been on a number of stages so far this weekend and sharing the stage with uh, some other amazing yeah. singer-songwriters. And with all that I know about Stephen Fearing, it seems like collaborating with other people is your bread and butter. What's that like to collaborate in a festival atmosphere instead of maybe a studio? Well, it all depends on how much they want you to be involved and whether you can add something to it. But uh, yeah, you're right. I, I reached a point several years ago where I realized that the best thing you could do is try and figure out if you could add to something or invite other people to add to what you were doing. Because, you know, there was a point earlier on when, when record labels didn't want you to do that. They wanted you to stay, you know, keep the brand, although they never called it that, but keep it really specific and focused and don't digress with other things. But the truth is, is all musicians are, we listen to all variety of things. You know, if we play singer, songwriter music, we don't just listen to that, we listen to everything. So sometimes you might have a little something to add to a genre that has nothing to do with you. And that's what the beauty of these festivals is, is there's sort of magic space to collaborate. In, in hearing you talk about uh, contributing things to different genres, uh, your own c career between solo albums and different projects um, has bridged a few genres that way. Where are you most musically at home? I, honestly, I, I can't really answer that question in that I don't know. I mean, I, I think about it a lot. I was born in, in Vancouver, um, which isn't particularly known for us, you know, like a the Vancouver fiddle style or the, the traditional accordion style of Vancouver. There's nothing like that route there. It's a very new city. And then I moved to Ireland, but at that point I was, you know, a young, well, I, was, I moved there when I was six, but by the point I really started plugging in, punk was happening. And, and so, but I'm obviously not a, a punk player. I was listening to Lightfoot, but it was because it was in my mother's record collection. So. The whole singer-songwriter thing came to me pretty um, honestly through listening to recordings and just the solitude of one person, one instrument, and being able to kind of create it on your own or find your way into it on your own. But that doesn't really answer your question, and that's the best answer I've got. I don't really know where my route is, and sometimes it's a curse, because when you run out of ideas, traditionally people lean back on their, their route, their tradition, and I don't have one. So it forces you to cast about and look for something else, which is partly where the collaboration comes in. You can be a bit of a chameleon to a degree, depending on how skilled you are, but uh, mostly it, it makes you keep looking. And my criteria is it has to feel really authentic. Um, 
not necessarily original, but it has to feel authentic in some way. I have to have to feel like I I believe myself. And it can't have too much schmoo on it. <laughs> you know, can't put too much spin on it. It has to be honest. And that makes things a little more that's a that's a pretty strong parameter. <clears throat> so that that line between uh, not having to be necessarily original but needing to be authentic are there things that you're exploring in familiar territory now that fit that criteria of maybe not breaking entirely new musical ground but also exploring new and honest things for you for sure um, uh, when I was living in Ireland country music was this weird thing it's like it was from Mars I couldn't I couldn't relate to it at all and as I've, you know, I've been living back in North America since 79, 80, but it's taken me a long time to kind of find my way, not, not into the, like, I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to be a, a country musician, but some of the forms I understand better now, the simplicity of it, the real straightforward, the sort of three chords and the truth idea, I get that in a way I didn't get before. I, I used to be really interested in more complexity. I still like complex sounding chords and I'm probably put in more chords than than other people do but I understand that simplicity better and for me it's in some ways it's a blessed relief because instead of writing one song you can write three because there's some in, in earlier songs of mine there was often three different songs going on and I just kept pushing them all together as sort of big ideas so try to find one idea that's really strong and and create a song out of it and then and then use another idea for another song so that to me is um, kind of at the heart of the country music that I really love the sort of roots music that I really love so given that you know I, I'm not an Americana artist because I'm Canadian Irish and I'm, I'm not a country artist by any stretch and I'm not a blues artist and I'm not a, a jazz artist I'm not you know it's like I can I can tell you what I'm not but sometimes it's hard to find out what I am so Every time I step into it, it's wide open for me um, with the only parameters on what my skills are and that authenticity thing. Um, but aside from that, it's whatever tickles my fancy. I look to people like Nick Lowe, you know, because there's a British guy who grew up playing pub rock and now he's creating some of the most sublime roots music on the planet. So how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> I, in, in the way that you described that, it strikes me as a particularly Canadian thing to have so many influences from so many places and to be trying to find the root that is most authentic, which might, which might I, I don't know if that speaks to a fallacy that we're only supposed to have one root when, when really the plants that grow the tallest and strongest are pushing out in all directions. I absolutely agree, and I totally agree with the Canadian thing. We are... Uh, one of the greatest uh, examples of this that mustn't be lost on anybody is the band. Now they're considered by the sort of Americana gang as being one of the, 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 the keystones of that. And they're mostly Canadians apart from Levon. They're all Canadians and they all grew up listening to all this variety of music coming up from the States into Ontario and you know onto the the Six Nations for Robbie Robertson and they absorbed it and they they ingested it and they studied it I know from reading Robbie's biography you know he studied it and then they started producing it in a way that was a little unique it's got a little spin the British invasion same thing 
the Brits, you know, the Stones, all of those guys, the Faces, they all, they all listened to American blues music and loved the fuck out of it and just absorbed it and ingested it and studied it as much as they could in that kind of hungry way that you do when you're from away. You know, when you fall in love with something that's not from where you are and it seems exotic and rare and you, you want it and so you, you eat it in a way that people who grew up around it don't and then you reproduce it something different and that's uh, one of our strengths as Canadians. Isn't it amazing that a delicacy or a treasure has to come from somewhere else, that it can't be your, sta your everyday staple to be a discovery for you? Yeah, I think it takes a really special person to walk around their hometown with the same kind of awe as, uh, not, not necessarily a tourist, but an immigrant. You know, where it's, it's just the nature of humans that you, what is familiar becomes kind of a commonplace or it becomes somewhat less exotic to you. So you're always drawn to the different, the new, and the trick is to be able to, to not take it and pretend that that's who you are. Like if I start writing, you know, if I was an author and I started writing as, as people have been criticizing Joseph Boyden for, you know, there's like, these controversies are really real. So somehow you have to find your way into it and still bring yourself to it as your authentic self instead of pretending that you're something else. You know, the, the young Canadian musician who is, puts on a drawl and starts pretending they're from the States is like, oh, gag me with a spoon, like really. So you have to find a way in and it has to be from where you are and that's, that's a challenge. Summer Folk is uh, 43 this year and I know that you've been going to festivals for decades. How have you seen the Canadian festival scene evolve over that time? Ah, uh, it's it's uh, unique. The Canadian festival scene is really unique. It's again because we all grew up with it. It's sometimes hard to see it, but it is really unique. And when you come, um, when you run across other players like British players or American players, they all speak highly of our scene because there's a level of commitment from the organizers and the volunteers to the way the festival should run that includes the well-being of the performers, transportation, all the logistics get looked after. And it's kind of a unique Canadian model. So what I've seen is that that has just been refined and refined and refined. Um, and at the same time, they've opened up. When I started, in some ways it's, it's hard. <laughs> It's a drag. Uh, male, white male singer-songwriters. We had it good there for a while. And, you know, we were headlining. We were doing the main stages. You know, I started, I, early on in my career, I, I played the, 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 the final sat Sunday night at the Winnipeg Folk Festival. And, yeah, it was partly because I was young and so I was the new thing on the block. But also there was, <clears throat> there was just kind of like the singer-songwriters were kind of the ones who were, who were cutting a new road. <clears throat> but that's over. So now it's bands <clears throat> and it's players who have grown up listening to their iPod on shuffle and being dragged to folk festivals by their parents and they have seen everything from African musicians playing authentic African music to authentic Cajun music to authentic everything and they've amalgamated it and now they're reproducing it and that's what festivals are featuring there's there seems to be a much 
in some ways, like, it's the age old, what is folk music? I don't even care. I don't care, it doesn't matter. Um, it's just, it's non-mainstream to a degree, and it is a very wide umbrella, and that's what I see the strength of the Canadian festivals, and I, that's what I see them continuing to foster and, and uh, grow into. And this festival has always been an older school festival. It's sort of, it's kind of like um, uh, uh, Stuart McLean's um, vinyl what was it that yeah yeah we're 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 not big we're small you know that that's the beauty of this festival and yet it grows it it's it doesn't grow in size it's not like you know we're adding a thousand people every year it's it's more it grows within itself so they they cover the stages the quality the pa system gets better it's growing that way and that's to me a real commitment because a lot of festivals want to get bigger and bigger and then they kind of they kind of blow out and then they have to regroup and start smaller again or they, they actually just die. So you got to have young people coming. You've got to because otherwise it's finite. And uh, so far, so good. I mean, I'm looking around. I see a lot of I see a lot of beards. I see a lot of tattoos, full sleeve tattoos, a lot of skinny jeans. It's good. <laughs> and a fine mustache, I may say, too. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. <laughs> Do you have a favorite summer folk moment? <sighs> well, I got to say that I did a workshop with the lifers. I'd never met them, never heard of them. I mean, we, we share a common commonality of living in Guelph. They're all probably about 25 years younger than me, but we made music. And what was really lovely is they, I, I, I um, encouraged them to sit in with me um, when they figured they had something to offer. And they, they did so in a really uh, gentle, not, not namby-pamby way. They came in with, with some energy, but they listened and, and they kind of created arrangements on the, on the fly, and that was really lovely. And I tried to uh, play along with them, and they seemed to be amenable to that. And that's, that's what I love. It was the collaboration thing again. <laughs> Well, speaking of collaborating, thank you for taking some time out of your day to have this conversation. If we were going to play a song from uh, your latest album, uh, Every Soul's a Sailor, uh -huh. what song would you recommend we play? Well, uh, it depends. I mean, if you want to play a political tune, Blowhard Nation's pretty good. It's a song I never, honestly, I, when I was writing it, I kind of felt like I was wasting my time writing this song because it was loosely based on this uh, long-shot politician named Donald Trump. I really never thought that he would amount to uh, getting the nomination for the Republican Party, let alone become the President of the United States. When I was writing it, he was trying to become the nominee for the Republican Party. And here we are. I'm still talking about that name. It's, it it kind of amazes me that, that we're where we are in the world. But as Canadians, we're not watching this as observers. We're now dragged into it along with the rest of the world. So maybe that's a, maybe that's a tune to play. Thanks, Stephen. We'll play that right now. Okay. Living 